for criminals Every Pharisee You came for hypocrites Even one like me Oh, 
dot on the tree is giving life abundant and free. The poor is down from his wounds. The sky should have been mine. We're parting by lovely Such a mysterious 
Boy, I'm, I think this is the biggest turnout we've ever had for a um, Good Friday service. And I know it's going to be a bit of a challenge with the kids, but they could do it. From a guy that grew up in the Catholic Church, we had no children's ministry in the Catholic Church. You just learned to sit there. <laughs> Believe me, you learned. We can bring this down a little bit. It's real hot here. Uh, this mic is hot. You might be hot too. But um, I'm going to tonight, I'm not necessarily going to be teaching a Bible study. I'm going to be reading some scriptures. And, you know, Good Friday is really a time for the believer. Um, if you're a non-believer... We welcome you here. We're glad you came here. But, but you need to understand that, that a Good Friday service is really a family service. It is for the family of God. And that might be insulting. You might say, well, that's, you know, the, the haves and the have-nots. It really comes down to that. Those who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and those who have not been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. But the great news is that we all can be redeemed by the blood of the lamb but i'm going to read some scriptures we're going to keep the lights down so i just want you you don't have to look at the scriptures in your bibles but i just want you to to listen to these words the first few scriptures i'm going to read are from john chapter 19 and verse 1 says so then pilate took jesus and scourged him now i thought and I don't want you to feel uncomfortable. I usually don't do things that, you know, cause you to participate. But I thought it would be appropriate for those that would want to, to respond. And maybe the best response, if you have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, is to respond by saying, for me. So let me read that again. So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. Verse 2, the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they struck him with their hands. Verse 6 says, they called out, they cried out saying, crucify him, crucify him. Verse 17 says, he, he bearing his cross went out to the place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha, and they crucified him for me, yes. And then he said, it is finished, and bowed his head and gave up his spirit for me. And verse 34 of John chapter 19 says, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out for me. Let's be a little bit more enthusiastic. This is for us. Matthew chapter 27, verse 30 says, Then they spat on him and took, yes, and they took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, 
They took the robe off him and put his own clothes on him and led him away to be crucified. Yes, for me. Isaiah 50 verse 6 says, I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out my beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. For me. Isaiah 53 verse 2. He has no form or comeliness. We have to say for me because there's no doubt that this is speaking of after they did to him what they did to him. There is no beauty that we should desire him for me. Again, after they had beaten him and pulled out his beard and all. Verse 3 says, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief for me. Verse 4, surely he has bore our griefs and carried our sorrows for me. Verse 5, he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities for me. Verse 5 again, uh, by his stripes we are healed for me. He was oppressed, verse 7 says, and he was afflicted for me. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter for me. Verse 8, he was cut off from the land of the living for me. Verse 8, he was stricken for me. Verse 10, it pleased the Lord to bruise him and to put him to grief for me. And then the last one, let's, let's say it. You make his soul an offering for sin for me. Thank you, Lord. You know, all of this speaks of the redemptive work of Christ. That's why Good Friday is so important. Guys, if, if you're students of the Bible, you know that you probably wrestle every Good Friday and say, well, you know, and you listen to the studies or you study the scripture for yourself. And was it Wednesday that he was crucified? Was it Thursday that he was crucified? Where does Friday come from, you know? How do you get three days and three nights out of Friday to Sunday? And, and there's all of these debates and everything. The question comes up, the Last Supper, was it the Passover meal? How could it be the Passover meal if he was the Passover? And the Jews did not want to be defiled so that they could eat the Passover. See, there's a lot of questions, but one question, I mean, the, the important questions are answered, and that is, he died for our sins, and he resurrected on the third day, just as the scriptures declare. On Sunday, I reminded us of John chapter 1, verse 11, he, Jesus, came to his own, that's his own people, the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, and his own people did not receive him. They did not believe in him. They did not receive him as their long-awaited Messiah and King. And of course, even that was prophesied by Isaiah. Isaiah 53, again, it says, He is despised and rejected by men. Prophecy. Isaiah 53 and verse 3, uh, a little further down, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. You know, guys, that's not us. It's not we, us, the Gentiles did not, who did not esteem him. To be honest, the Gentiles gave him no mind at all. 
It was his own people who did not esteem him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. In Isaiah 53, verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Well, that was true of them, and that's surely true of us today. You know, guys, when you look at the Bible, we have these beautiful, beautiful snapshots of the redemptive work of Christ. And these snapshots begin in Genesis, and they just go throughout the Bible. And I was thinking yesterday of a redemptive picture that we have, and it's found in this this little book, only four chapters in the Old Testament of our Bibles, the book of Ruth. And you know the story, you know, you have this Hebrew family, they're living there in Bethlehem, and because of a famine, they decide to sell all they have and to go to another land, to a foreign land, and, and they went to Moab, and uh, mom and dad and their two sickly boys, I mean, they were even named sickly boys, you know, and, and uh, they end up marrying girls in Moab, and, and uh, one of the girls was Ruth. And you know the story that the, the husbands died, and all the husbands died. Uh, Naomi's husband died, and Ruth, and you know, they were all widows. And the mother-in-law, I think of this, there's so much conflict between mother-in-laws and their daughter-in-laws and, and all so often. But uh, she said, you know, I'm going back. I'm going home. There's nothing for me here. And she bid them goodbye, but Ruth, of course, said, uh, you know, Mom, <laughs> wherever you go, I'm going. And your God shall be my God. And where you die, I will die. And so the two return there, and you know the story, Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, he is a near relative. He's able to redeem the land that belonged to Naomi's husband and to the husbands of the widows if he chose to do so. But in order to redeem the land, he had to redeem the girl, the bride. You, you couldn't redeem the land without redeeming the bride because remember within Israel's system, legal system, you know, if a, if a, if a man was to die and he had a brother, it was his brother's responsibility to marry that widow, his sister-in-law, and to raise up a child, at least the first child, the first son, to his deceased brother so that the name would continue. You know, guys, I think of these traditions, they were really so beautiful, and God had a purpose behind each one. And so Boaz, he wasn't a brother, but he was the closest relative they had. You look at that, and some might say Boaz and Ruth, the book of Ruth, it's a story it's a love story. And I would say, yeah, it's a love story. But I think a better description of it is it's a story of redemption. In fact, it's a story of redemption that was motivated by love. You know, you read the book of Ruth and you could 
be cynical and say, well, he married the girl to get the land, and you'd be mistaken. He redeemed the land to get the girl. And you know, guys, this is a beautiful picture of our Lord. Let me read just a few verses here. Matthew chapter 13, verse, verses 44 through 46. Jesus is speaking their parables. Jesus said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all he has and buys the field. Redemption. Why does he want the field? Why does he want the land? Because there's something precious. There's something precious in the field, in the land. Jesus goes on, the next parable, right after that one. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. Like Ruth. And like the church. Beautiful pearls who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all he had and bought it. That's redemption. You know, there's a lot of Christians that get this wrong. There's a lot of Christians that say, no, 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 that's not the Lord who's buying the field. That's the Christian that gives everything they have for Jesus. He's the treasure. Not true, not true, not true. We give up so little for Christ. He gave up everything for us. He's the one who buys the field, not because he wants the field, but because he wants the treasure in the field. And you know, guys, when you look at the story of redemption motivated by love, the book of Ruth, it is a snapshot. It is, it is an Old Testament snapshot of what Jesus would do for his bride. You know, guys, when you look at, you know, God created the earth and all that's in it, and then he, he created Adam, and he created a garden, and Adam was alone, and as you go through the Genesis, Genesis account, we see the Lord saying, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good, until he gets to the loneliness of Adam, and he says, this, this is not good. And so he creates Eve, and he places them in the garden. And you know, guys, many believe that, you know, this was, and once said, this was God's creation, God creating man, you know, after his own image, and we can't even wrap our minds around that. And in one sense, it's almost as if he gave him the deed to the earth. It's yours, Adam. It's all yours. And of course, at the fall, we know that, you know, it was forfeited. You say, oh, how could that be? Remember what Jesus says when he speaks of the devil, how, how he is the ruler of this world? He talks about the devil having authority over this world. So often, you know, we want to sit back and say, why is God allowing these horrible things to happen on, in, on this earth, his earth, his creation? You're accusing the wrong one. Don't accuse him. Accuse the one who, <laughs> who seems to have authority over the things of this earth. 
and the principalities. Jesus, he dies upon the cross. We see this in the book of Revelation, you know, the scroll and, and many Bible prophecy teachers, they believe that the scroll, you know, it could represent a number of things, but many believe it represents the deed to the earth. No one's worthy. No one's worthy to take the scroll and to open the scroll. I'm worthy. The lamb comes forward, the lamb who was slain. I'll tell you, the book of Ruth was a snapshot of redemption. It was a story of redemption motivated by love, which reminds me and should remind you of a very familiar scripture. For God so loved the world, the field, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's what Good Friday is all about. The redemptive work of Christ. He came. He, it was not an accident. You know, the book of Revelation speaks of the cross, the crucifixion, as being something that was written, you know, in, in, from God's perspective, from eternity past, before the creation of the world. He is the lamb who was slain. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. If you've placed your faith in Christ, don't ever forget the value of your redemption. Don't ever forget how costly it was. He gave everything. We belong to him now because he redeemed us. He redeemed us from the devil. The apostle Paul said, or wrote, for you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. So that's what we get to do through all of our lives. If you've placed your faith in Christ, what's your duty? Well, aside from proclaiming the gospel to those who are lost, you know, letting them know the good news so that they might, you know, make a decision for Christ or against him. I mean, it's ultimately, it's up to the individual. But the other thing that we're called to do is to glory God in our body by how we live. So we're going to just spend the rest of the time, we're going to be worshiping the Lord. I know there's a lot of people in here, and it's going to be, you know, maybe a little bit difficult, but uh, we're not going to serve you communion. I, that would be easier for you, that you could, you know, sit there and get your communion. But if you want to partake of communion, I want you to come forward, and you can get your communion and, and go ahead and partake. But I think what's important, guys, is that we are really thoughtful about what we're doing. This is for the believer. This is not tradition. You guys know that? Do you know that Paul warned, he says, that there are some that are sick and even dying among you because they partake in an unworthy manner? 
I mean, that's heavy. We don't usually mention that on, when we have communion. This is why we have communion on our Good Friday service and not on our Easter Sunday service, because Easter Sunday we're going to have visitors, and I think it would be inappropriate to have visitors and tell them that they cannot partake. But this is for the believer. And this is meant to cause us to remember his body and his blood. And so we're going to partake. Remember, there's a little, little film on the top. You pull that back first. If you don't do it the right way, you'll never get the cup open. And you won't be thinking about Jesus and his crucifixion. You'll be thinking about whoever made these silly cups, you know. But let's, let's just pray for a moment. Lord, we do pray. Would you help us, Lord, please? Hustle and bustle of the day. Work day, here we are, Lord. Would you please, Father, would you please just from our minds, would you just kind of push everything else aside? Would you help us, Lord, tonight to maybe think of what it might have been like? I can't imagine to be spat upon and then slapped and then hit with the fist. And then to have a, a, you know, a mock thorn crown put upon your head and then beat down onto your brow. I can't even imagine what the scourging must have been like. But again, we read in, in Isaiah, it's by your stripes we are healed. Wow, Lord. It's not just the cross. It was the scourging. It was all those other things as well. And I pray, Father, that you would help each one of us, even the young ones that, that are able to, Lord, to just reflect upon what you did. And Lord, rather than our hearts being filled with sadness, that our hearts would be filled with gladness because you've called us and thankfully, Lord, by your grace, we've responded to your call. And we are saved. And we're not the same person that we once were. We've been transformed. We've been changed. We are a new creation in you, Lord. And we thank you for that, Lord. So help us, Lord, as we continue to worship and to partake of communion. Help us, Lord, to fill our thoughts full of you. And may gratitude just flow from our hearts, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please. 
Lord, that you're coming again. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving us. Thank you, Lord, that we have a family of brothers and sisters because we've all been adopted by you.
did it for me You did it for love It's your victory Jesus, you are enough And you did it for me You did it for love It's your victory Jesus, you are enough And you did it Because in your cross, dead is paid. Because of your blood, sins are washed away. All in my life, I freely give. Because of your love, because of just keep our eyes shut for a moment if you're here tonight and and maybe maybe you're a young person maybe you're an older person maybe your your spouse likes to come here and and you come for her sake whatever it may be and and maybe you think well you know Jesus is okay for her or Jesus is okay for my parents or Jesus is okay for him Please know that he loves you so much. He loves you. And he died on the cross for you, for your sins. And the scriptures are clear, you know. All you need to do is call upon him and he will save you and he'll forgive you of your sins and he'll change your life as you surrender to him. And he's coming and I think that even even the person that has not received him, they know deep down that the world is changing and that something, that things are coming to a close and, and that the Lord is coming. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. For the believer, don't forget that now in Christ there is no condemnation. And I think sometimes we just get beat up, we fail, we mess up, we willfully sin, and then we're shame-faced. 
And we don't lift our head in prayer. We could barely bow our head and, and say even a few words. And we, we need to remember there's no condemnation. I can approach the throne of God, not in arrogance, but boldly. He's forgiven me. If I confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins, cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Lord, would you please remind us of these truths so that we don't waste precious time living in shame and regret so we don't distance ourselves from you thinking that you've distanced yourself from us. Help us, please, Lord. We love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the, the beauty of those who just called out. And it was so beautiful, Lord. Older people and younger people and the little children. I can't, couldn't help but think of, you know, what your word says about praise coming from little children. Thank you, Lord, for what Chuck said. So simple, but so true. Thank you for waiting for me. And we echo that prayer, Lord, each one of us. Thank you for, thank you for waiting for me, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Would you thank you, Lord, for just the work that you've done in the past few days and little Theodore's life, Lord, scary time. But Lord, we just give you the credit. Thank you, Lord, for restoring. Thank you that there's nothing serious. Thank you, Lord. We lift up those who are facing um, frightening times, medical procedures. And uh, there's kind of a question mark of how things might turn out. We pray, Lord, that you'd bring comfort and we ask for healing, Lord. We thank you for our families, Lord, and any family knows the good times, the blessed times, but we also know the hard times, the difficult times when it seems like those in our own family are our enemies <laughs> and we pray Lord that you would restore families and we know Lord that there are families in this church that are concerned for extended family their hearts are just so troubled they can't find peace and we just pray that you'd give them peace and that you might speak to them even now would you remind us Lord that you hold all things in your hand and so often, Lord, we fret about things because we can't figure out how it could possibly work out. But Lord, we were reminded of that. The story's not over for any of us. And we thank you for that, Lord. And that gives us hope for our loved ones that have yet to bow the knee, confess with the tongue. We love you. We thank you for this night. We pray now that we might leave with joy in our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for coming out. What a blessed time.